Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm going to set my timer because um, the Lord had a lot to say to you guys this week, and so I'm going to try and make sure I get it all in and I respect the time. But um, thank you, Eleanor, for that introduction. And yeah, if nothing else, um, polished and precise is not what you're going to get this morning. So I hope that's not what you came expecting, but you are going to get real um, and it is really good to be here with you guys today. Um, so Eleanor did a really good job of taking out the first part of my introduction, so I'm just going to skip all of that. But I will tell you that um, my husband Dan and I have been married for 16 years, and we have three kids and a dog named Griffey. And yes, he is named after my husband's most favorite sports player of all time, Ken Griffey Jr. Um, yeah, right? Go Ems. Um, <laughs> Dan is a Mariner lifer, and every year... Uh, I think since the time he was born, he uh, says, and you, I have some friends here with me, what is Dan's catchphrase? This is the year. And I'm like, every year, but I'm like, I'm so sad Amos is not here because I literally, I'm like, except this year it's actually true. Am I right, Amos? And Amos isn't here because I was like, if I don't get any more amens, the whole rest of the message, he would have amen me right there, <laughs> right there. Okay, yes. So this is the year in the name of Jesus. Okay. Um, <laughs> And my paying gig, as I like to call it, is I work in the emergency room at Valley Medical Center in Renton. Um, so I like to say I'm saving bodies Monday through Friday, saving souls on the weekend, right? <laughs> All right. Um, it really is such an honor to be up here teaching the word of God. And I do take it very seriously, but I try not to take myself too seriously. Um, so I found that opening my sermons with a few really amazing dad jokes just kind of helps get all the awkward out up front, um, so I don't have to worry about it coming out in the middle of my sermon. Um, so, And also, there's a chance this might be the best part, too, so you guys are really going to want to pay attention. Okay, so here you go. I hope you're ready. Um, and this is interactive, so if you think you know the answer, you can sure shout it out. But how was Rome split in two? How was Rome split in two? I know. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked. With a pair of Caesars. Oh. Yeah, okay, okay. They get better. Uh, where do you find a cow with no legs? Right where you left it. What do you call two monkeys? This is my favorite. What do you call two monkeys who share an Amazon account? They're primates. Yeah, you were wrong right there, yes. Very good. Two points to Gryffindor over here. Um, and then what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? A fish wearing a bow tie. Anybody? Oh, he is so fish-decated. So fish-decated. Yes. I know, I know. We're just getting it all out there. Okay. But I just feel like if you start that bad, really there was no other place to go than up, right? Okay. So Pastor Eleanor said you guys have been going through the book of Acts, and I thought, well, that is perfect, because so have we. And so I'll just pull out one of my sermons, and this won't even be hard, but then I found out that you guys are way ahead of us, and uh, she was not as open to the idea of you guys getting a review lesson as I was, so I had to go to plan B, which, all joking aside, though, I really do feel like the Lord gave me a word for you guys here specifically this morning. Um, and I just want to pray over our time together, and I know that it's going to encourage and speak to somebody, hopefully a lot of somebody's here this morning. So, Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we just say, we're here to meet with you, Lord. Would you come 
and meet with us? Would your Holy Spirit just be moving, or would you have the freedom to just um, do whatever it is that you want to do this morning in our hearts, God? And Lord, would this word just go forth with your blessing, and Lord, would their hearts be open to receive what you have specifically for each one here this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so the word I felt like the Lord wanted to give us this morning is the word remember. Remember, 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 remember. Mary, why are you saying it so many times? <laughs> I'm repeating it because everything I've said or read says that if you want to really commit something to memory, you have to repeat it. And there's a split jury on exactly how many times you have to say it to do that, but we do have limited time this morning, so we're just going to move on. But remember, and why do we need to have a whole message on remembering, Mary? Well, I am so glad you asked. What a great question. Um, well, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to any of you guys here this morning, but we as humans, we forget, like, a lot. <laughs> and it starts immediately out of the womb. Am I right, parents? Yeah? It's like from the earliest age you tell your kids no to something, and five minutes later, what are they doing? Yeah, exactly. And then when they get old enough to um, answer the question, what's the answer? Like, why did you do that? And they say, I forgot. Like, oh, I forgot. And it doesn't get better as we age. And I'm starting to freak out a little bit about it, you guys, because the number of, like, what did I come in here for is getting really bad. And I know it's not just me. I looked it up online, and did you know, in 2020, and it's probably even more now, there were over 650 different dietary supplements that manufacturers marketed for brain health and development, AKA memory problems. 650. You guys, we have a forgetting problem. And I wanna to talk to you today about the importance of not just not forgetting, but actively remembering the things of God. So there are three areas I want to address, and number one is this. I think we need to remember what God did in the past. And I want to read to you a few accounts from the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And these were, these were God's chosen nation, right? This is a set-apart people and yet a shining example of what remembering and also forgetting looks like. So just as a refresher, um, the Israelites had been enslaved by the Egyptians, and they'd been crying out for God to come and deliver them from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. And God chooses Moses to lead them, and in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, and this is God speaking to Moses, he said, Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So God obviously has a plan, and he's about to set it in motion. This should be great cause for celebration, right? Freedom at last. So I want you to listen to this giddy response from the people. Verse 9 says, So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Okay, well, 
I guess it had been a really long time since God made his promise to Abraham, and none of these guys had been around to witness that, so maybe, maybe we give them a pass here. And um, God has just delivered the message to Moses and the people over the next six chapters we read about. You guys remember the plagues that God sends, and one after another after another, and they're escalating in severity until we get to that horrible night that ends it all. In chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, where God says, On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this is the night their freedom has come. This is the night the promise of God is coming to fruition. This is the night his hand moved over the entirety of the most powerful country in the world and brought it to its knees in a moment, such a momentous night that the next verse says, this, this is a day to remember. Every year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So this, of course, becomes what we know today as Passover. And it's also the beginning of another festival of unleavened bread. And why did God instruct them in this way, to, to do this? Um, anybody? Why did God want them to do this celebration? To remember, right. And after this event unfolds and the Israelites have fled, Moses addresses the people once again. And Moses says, this is a day to remember forever the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? And then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. This is why I now sacrifice the firstborn males next, or back to the Lord. This ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or on your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. So God has told them here both what to do, which is to remember, and why to do it, which is to proclaim the power of the Lord. This celebration of Passover that's just been established is actually one of seven festivals that God instructed the people of Israel to celebrate over the course of a calendar year. Um, and these were established for the specific purpose of reminding the Israelites every year of God's ongoing protection and provision and also to symbolize the complete redemptive story of Christ beginning with his death on the cross as the Passover lamb and then ending with his second coming. So God knew, you guys, our propensity towards forgetfulness and he'd been witnessing it since the fall and being a loving, faithful God, he models for us what it looks like to remember intentionally the things God has done for us. So I want to look at another example of this. Earlier, um, I'd kind of given the Israelites a pass um, because they were remembering it was it'd been a long time since God made that promise to Abraham. In the next event I'm about to read you, it's literally been 40 days, 40 days after the miraculous events that just took place in the Exodus. And it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. 
We don't know what happened to this fellow, Moses, <laughs> who brought us out of the land of Egypt. Like they've already forgotten even who it was that actually rescued them, right? Moses was up on the mountain to convene with God about their future and they fell apart. I think perhaps they fell apart because they couldn't see with their own eyes what God was doing. Have you ever done that? I know I have. They didn't know what he was up to. I won't read the rest of the events of the next 40 years as they wander through the wilderness, but I can readers digest for you uh, how it goes by saying they were all on one continuous human crazy cycle of uh, faithfulness, right? That eventually devolved into forgetting which led to them getting in trouble in the form of whining, complaining, taking matters into their own hands, disobedience, sin. And then when they realized they were in trouble, they cried out to God to save and rescue them, which he does in miraculous way after miraculous way. And then that results in their faithfulness temporarily until we start around the horn again and again and again. But eventually, though, because God is faithful to his promises, they're about to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And I want to read in Joshua chapter 3. It says, So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Does this sound familiar to you? Right? It's like something miraculous God had done for the Israelites before. So an entire generation, 40 years has passed since the exodus from Egypt. And uh, there are an entire new era of leaders that are emerging and are now witnessing for themselves the fulfillment of his promises. And a little bit further down, it says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing, carry them out, and pile them up at the place you will camp tonight. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day. They camped at Gilgal. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones. And Joshua says to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea. He did this so all nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So again, here, God is telling them what to do and why to do it. He's telling them to remember to proclaim the power of the Lord. So what I think the takeaway from all of this is, you guys, is to remember, like actively, intentionally remember what God has done in the past. And if we walk back through the three events that we just talked about, I think we can identify some really great ways modeled for us to do just that. And the first one is through memorials. 
the Israelites built a tower of stones to remember what God has done for them. Most of us are not going to go around doing that, although I've seen some pretty cool rock towers on my hiking journeys, but I don't think, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Um, but uh, some ways we can practically do that, because uh, Pastor Eleanor, I am all about making things practical. Um, some ways we could look like our like pictures and mementos, right? Um, stuff we want to remember. We, like when we go on vacations, we do the same thing. Why do we buy all this stuff? Why do we buy the t-shirts? Why do we buy the mugs? It's because we want to remember. We don't need another coffee mug. I don't need another coffee mug. I don't. You do. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna remember that. So, um, but we buy them because we want to remember. When we look at the thing, it evokes memories for us. Um, my dishwasher and my uh, refrigerator are covered in magnets from all the different places that my family and I have gone together. And we purchase those and put them somewhere that we see all the time because those are memories for us. When we see it, we remember all the precious time we spent with each other. And it's the same with God and what he's done in your life. So find things that remind you of those and put them on display. And then don't just keep that miraculous moment to yourself. I love this because what you guys are talking about just aligns so perfectly. You guys have been talking about telling your story and telling other people. One of the best ways that you can remember the things that God has done for you is to tell somebody else. Share your story. You get to um, show the faithfulness of God to the next generation or even those that don't know him at all by telling them. And God told the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them. And then he goes on. So my children know the ways that God has moved miraculously in the generations that have come before them because their Grammy and Papa have told them. And their mom and dad have told them. And they're going to tell their children of the ways God has moved in and for us as our family. And then probably one of the most practical ways to remember what God has done is to write it down. Put it down in your journal. Not only do we have this one fully unified story that leads to Jesus that is full of the recorded miraculous ways God has moved since the creation of the world, but you get to write down in your own story the way that God moves in your life. Because you guys, we forget right? We forget all the time. It doesn't matter how big or small the thing is that God does. We forget. I love how Moses put it earlier. He said, this ceremony will be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It's a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. I literally cannot think of something that we look at more in our day than our own hands and perhaps our faces. It was like Moses was like, don't put your what God did for me tattoo on your back where you can't see it. Put it on your hand or how about on your face? And no, I am not telling anybody to get a face tattoo. Do not send that email to, to Eleanor on Monday. Don't do it. No. But we get to keep memorials to tell people, uh, write it down, and lastly, to celebrate. The festivals that we talked about a few minutes ago, those things that were for Israel to keep, they're celebrations. And when God moves his mighty strong arm for you, when he moves mountains for you, when he moves even just in the tiniest way that you know specifically was just for you, you get to celebrate that. 
And when you look back on those things years from now, guess what? You get to celebrate again. God's faithfulness is worthy of a party. Everybody loves a party. We throw parties for a lot less than the creator of the universe moving on your behalf. Am I right? Like, people throw birthday parties for their pets. And if you're one of those people, like, be free in that. That is amazing, and pets are amazing, and maybe, I don't know, invite me to the next one. But I'm just saying, if we will celebrate that, then come on. We can celebrate what God has done for us. Amen? Okay, so my first point was remember what God has done in the past. And my second point is this. Remember what God says about your future. You all know that he says stuff about your future, right? I want to make this pretty simple and easy to remember, so I've labeled the ways to remember this this point, the three P's. Passages, everybody say passages. 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 Promises Promises. and prophetic words. words. All right, passages. There's so much scripture in the Bible that references our future as Christians, those who put their faith in Jesus, but also those who don't. It speaks to our future personally and also corporately as the church and the human race. Um, And for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you a very brief synopsis um, of your future and my future as far as it goes with the Lord. Um, We win. Jesus wins, Satan loses. The book of Revelation, as crazy as it is, really the Cliff Notes version of it is uh, victory, right? God says that about your future. He is victorious, and therefore, so are you. So am I. Okay, number two is promises. And there are so many promises in the Bible. I would encourage you to just even Google the promises of God and look up and see how many verses there are and read a few to encourage you. Um, This is what I found online, and this is just like the top 15. It's three pages. I'm not going to read them all to you, but how about just a couple this morning? God is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For what? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it just goes on and on. For the spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but he gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then, of course, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, for a hope and a future. And then the last is the prophetic words. Um, Foursquare is a Pentecostal denomination, which means we believe in the Holy Spirit and personal experience with him. And one of those is hearing encouraging prophetic words to share with one another. Um, um, How many of you here have had a word given to you or an encouragement spoken by somebody else? Right. I'm telling you, when someone speaks that word over you, guess what? Write it down. Write it down. You don't have to stop them in the middle of sharing, but you can write down what you remember afterwards. You can even ask them, like, hey, would you mind texting me that? what you remember, so I have a record of it, so I can go back to that. Um, I promise you they won't mind. My, um, and then if they do give you kind of a heads up, like, hey, the, the Lord gave me a word to share with you, you can audio record it on your phone, too, so that you have it saved in that way. Um, my husband has a journal specifically just for prophetic words that people have given him. Um, and he returns to it time and time again to remind him what the Lord said in his past, but yet more importantly, Um, many of the words he gets are future-oriented, and they're to encourage, remind, and direct him as he moves forward into what God is calling him into next. So remember the three Ps, passages, promises, and prophetic words to remember what God says about your future. 
And then my last point, number three, Mary, you talked about the future and you talked about the past, but what about the present? Like my right now. And I am so glad you guys asked that. They ask the best questions. They really do. So um, point number three is this, the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit for our present. So very simply, y'all, Jesus knew we needed help, like so much help. And being the gracious, loving, fully understanding of the human's father, he left us a helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And that is a very specific part of his job description. After Jesus was resurrected and appeared to his disciples and was about to go back into heaven, he says this, but when the Father ascends, the, the advocate is my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So he will remind you, thank you, Jesus, because obviously we humans are pretty terrible at that when left to our own devices. Let's see, what's my time here? All right. So um, I wanted to give you a really practical reminding uh, story, and I'll make it really brief, but my husband and I had the opportunity to go to Virginia this summer, and we got to go hiking in the Blue Ridge Mountains, which was beautiful and breathtaking, and um, we went on this trail that was told it was supposed to be pretty popular, but we didn't see a single soul on that hiking trail the whole way up this mountain, and we were probably three quarters of the way to the top, and we started hearing some noises up ahead of us, and we're like, oh, we found the people, the people are here, and and my husband was like, oh, somebody's up there. And I jokingly said, like, or something. And we kept walking. And he went up about 10 more feet and looked over to his right. And he stopped. And he goes, oh, it's a bear. And I said, oh. And then I asked for forgiveness later. But, um, <laughs> and then we had that moment where we were, like, stopped dead in our tracks. And it was like, there's this thing. And we started to panic. And it was, do we run away? And we were on the edge of kind of like a cliff. I'm like, babe, what if we just crawl over the side and we just like hang on to the side of the cliff? Bears can't climb down. All of these horrible ideas that were like the first thing. And then all of a sudden, it was like we both stopped. And my husband started going, hey, and clapping and making lots of noise. And I was like, oh, that's right. And the many years of camping that we had gotten the grizzly bear training where it said you make lots and lots of noise. And that's how you let a bear know that you're there, and that usually they run away. And I was hoping that usually meant like every single time. <laughs> and so we were making noise, and I'm pretty, and I think he said he saw the bear leave. And um, long story short, we continued up to the top and found like 20 people. And we were like, where have you all been this whole time? And then we followed people back down the trail, because we're not stupid either. Um, but I think the Holy Spirit, just like that, like he helps us a whole lot. Um, and things that are in ways that are even more um, practical than we think. He gives us whatever we need to remember in the moment to make it out alive. And, and I know that story was maybe a little lighthearted, but also on a deeper level, have you ever had the Holy Spirit minister to you in a time of grief or trial or distress where he brought to your remembrance a verse or a promise or a word or a picture or a song, or a past move of his strong and mighty hand. And if you've written things down, has he ever prompted you to return to your journal and read what you wrote about how faithful he's been in your life, that you can trust him to do what he says he'll do, because he is 
who he says he is? Has he told you to return to that prophetic word shared by a brother or sister in Christ that spurs you on when you, just like the Israelites in the wilderness, couldn't see that God was at work on top of that mountain on your behalf? He is working on your behalf, you guys. Remember that. We're really good at forgetting, but God is really, really, really good at remembering and reminding us. Ask him to help you in that. Now, I'm going to ask us to pray here in just a second, but um, I want us to do, again, something really practical. And Kyla and Grace, if you wouldn't mind helping me, I have some note cards that they're going to pass out for you guys. And what I would ask and what I would like this morning is that you just take a moment to sit with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and ask him to bring something to remembrance to you. Something that's going to encourage your heart this morning. And this has been a really, really hard season for so many of us. And maybe like the Israelites, you've just forgotten that God is just out of your human sight working on your behalf. And you need to be reminded that he's doing just that. Or maybe you're at that place this morning where you've encountered something really big and scary or insurmountable or something that has struck fear like deep down into your soul. And everything within you is telling you to run or climb over the side of the cliff and hide. But the Holy Spirit is telling you to stand your ground and he's bringing things to remembrance. Maybe a scripture like this one. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or maybe even a song will come to your mind like this one, where it says, you make giants, mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then and you are faithful now. And you're going to declare that over your right now. So let's just take a minute because your creator, the lover of your very soul is here and he wants nothing more than to just meet with you for a few moments and minister to your heart and give you everything that you need to do everything that he's asking you to do. So Lord, we just ask that you come and meet with us, Father. Would you just um, speak to hearts, Lord? Would you bring things to remembrance, Father? Just a little something that's gonna sustain us, Lord, a little bit further down the road, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I would just ask that if the Lord gave you something this morning, or even on the drive home, if he's speaking things to you in your silence and solitude, as you go about your day or your week, that you would be intentional about writing those things down and then putting them someplace where you can see them. Maybe putting them on your bathroom mirror, your fridge, your dishwasher, taping it to the dash in your car, someplace where as you go throughout your week, you just are reminded that the Lord met with you, the Lord loves you, the Lord has things that he wants for you to hear and remember that are just reminders of his faithfulness and reminders of what he has for you in the future as well. So, yeah. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org 
slash giving. Thanks. <laughs>